0: But we're into, uh, we're into a series, uh, The Heart of Leadership. And uh, God-given leadership, those that he appoints, uh, will be found. And you'll discover them pursuing the heart of God. That's what they're about, really, is, is that they're, you know, they're out pursuing the, uh, the Father's heart. And uh, because ministering from his heart is the biblical standard. All right, we're ministering from His heart. We're, we're ministering from that place of inspiration. I don't think, and I, I, when I was early in ministry and back in the early 90s, I quickly worked out that God didn't want me to come up with great sermons. Can I get an amen? He didn't want me coming up with great sermons. Because I tell you what, when you've been through Bible college, you can come up with some great sermons. But what he wanted me to do was to start coming out of his heart. And so there, therefore, I started to lean on him for the message. So that, um, so that so much so that I knew that he wanted me to bring uh, probably weeks ahead because he's already working in my heart in that area. It, was, it became a thing that I uh, have often just been amazed. I said, never, I'm never left guessing what I should minister on. Never, never left thinking, hmm. Why should I preach this Sunday? It doesn't happen. And it's not because I'm that smart. It's because I've said, Lord, I want to come out of your heart. And, of course, his heart is to bring a message that's just for his people. And, again, we don't necessarily take names when it happens. But so often you'll get feedback from folk in the church who say, what you shared on Sunday was exactly what I needed to hear. And then you have someone who's not even related to that person, the other person to say, what you shared on Sunday was exactly what I needed to hear. And again, you, you just get that happening. It's because we're coming from the heart of God in our ministry. And there's that biblical standard that we should have and uh, that church, church leadership should follow after. And of course, being a, a man after God's heart is a spiritual exercise. It is consecration. It is, and it's just like, well, I don't want to do it out of me, so it's going to have to be out of you, Lord. And uh, that's what we should be recognising in those appointed to church leadership is that dedication, that dedication to his heart. So let's just pray this morning. Father, we again thank you, Lord God, for the opportunity to gather together, Father, in a church uh, so freely and be able to lift our hands in worship to the King of kings and Lord of lords, to to, uh, draw near to you with our hearts, Lord God. And we thank you that your word even declares that if we draw near to you, you'll draw near to us. Lord, let today be a day that we step a little closer. Let today be a day that uh, your heart is is made clearer to us as we uh, seek to follow you and be led by you in all that we do. All that we say, Lord, we thank you for today, Lord God. And, and Lord, we, we we pray that this word ministers to our hearts, Father, because it's from uh, from your heart, Lord, today. And Lord, we thank you that your word is indeed a lamp into our feet and a guide into our path. Lord, it shows us where we are and also shows us where we can go. So, Lord, let's all be. Let let us all be that people, Father, that, that continual Uh, continue to be hot after your heart, Lord God, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Well, how many of you know that you cannot fake having the Father's heart? It is a spiritually discernible condition, a good condition to discern. You can't fake having the Father's heart. What we see in the church, the body of Christ, is that God will bypass people with natural ability, great sincerity and apparent godliness to gift and empower those who have his heart and are content in ministering from the Father's heart. You know, we're told by the Apostle Peter to humble ourselves (laughs) under the mighty hand of God. Amen. First Peter. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, let all uh, our ministry come from that place. And I've lost my... Here's my clicker. There we go. That all of our ministry come from that place. So important uh, to, to, to recognize that. Oh, this is a, a first, there we go. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 6 to 7. Jess came out of that in her exhortation this morning and word to us. Therefore, humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. He may exalt you in due time. You say, when is due time? Well, I'm sorry, it doesn't say. A lot of people are waiting for due time. When's that going to be? Well, we're just told how to to posture ourselves before that happens, before the door swings open, before we know that we can keep walking into what God has for us. As mature sons and daughters of God, when we follow after the Father's heart, our reliance is on Him. He becomes, you know, that place where we rest. Again, tapping into what... um, uh, what um, Rachel was sharing this morning, we tap into that place of rest where we no longer struggle, you know. It's that rest in His Word, rest in His promises, resting in the Waymaker. Now, tell you what, you better believe it. The Waymaker is looking for a Word Keeper. That's what He's, that's what he's looking for, you know. We become those ones that believe that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or even think. And I love that bit. So, you can't, kind of, you know, we're not even smart enough to think what we need, and He already knows it. Aren't you glad? You know, aren't you glad? Ephesians 4.8 says, Therefore he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Uh, what gifts did he give is the question. Well, there are five leadership gifts that are listed here. But please understand uh, these gifts that uh, are spoken of in Ephesians chapter 4 are different expressions and different and, and have different impacts. Please note that they're all called by God. Each one of those fivefold leadership gifts are called by God to equip the saints. The saints being those that are saved and separated by God for his purposes. And if you're born again this morning, that's you. All right? That is you. And Ephesians, and we'll read it. It's quite a big scripture, but Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11, we'll read the whole thing because we don't always read it out. And it says, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry. What are they for? For the equipping of the saints. So if you're getting around fivefold ministry, you expect to be equipped. Expect, expect some equipping going, a little bit of training going on. You're going to find that that's the result of getting around fivefold ministers. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And that should be the result of you operating in your ministry, not called necessarily to be a fivefold ministry gift, but someone who's called to the work of ministry. And the result of that sitting under and that equipping uh, of the fivefold ministry is, is that you're edifying. Wherever you go, you're using speech that lifts people up, encourages others, it's, it's um, uh, uh, with grace upon it, you know, giftings as you speak, as you're encouraged, as a result of getting around fivefold ministry gifts. And look what it says, until we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man. And that's our perfection in Christ-likeness, to the measure of the stature of fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children. We're talking about maturity. We should no longer be children tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness and deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is head, the head, Christ. Sometimes we're going to read these scriptures and get and, and, and just find ourselves in them somewhere. Find ourselves in them. Paul speaks of these five ministry gifts as gifts that are given by the Lord to equip his church for the work of ministry. Um, I remember... Uh, Walking out of, out of a church where um, I, could, I could basically say it was a very controlling church. Uh, it was the church that I'd uh, been saved in. I learned a lot about the grace of God. So that They had enough gospel being preached in that church for me to get saved wonderfully, powerfully. But unfortunately, the, the, the system of, of, of leadership was that you know, pretty much they controlled your life from the, from the minute you got saved. You, that, that was it. They were all over your life. And uh, if you weren't doing what they wanted you to do, they were in your face about it. I remember distinctly the day that the elder got, bailed me up, said, you've been saved now for a couple of months. Isn't it about time you lost your earring? Isn't it about time that you took your earring out and got your hair cut? And I'm looking for the Bible to see where the dress code is, you know, because the Bible doesn't have a dress code, you know, and... Um, But I remember that, and it was like a a, a real control thing. And um, again, what what I loved was that it was that grace of God that had saved me. And then I I had to take, it took me a little while, but I got to the place where I realised there was a distinct difference between how they wanted to control my life and the goodness of God that had saved me. And that there was actually a, a difference there. And, uh, you know, as much as I've been able to sit under many, many Bible studies, the day I heard the voice of the Spirit of God tell me to get up and get out of there was a day that I walked into, strangely enough, and, and, and you know, a great, a great um, uh, appreciation for, for the, um, the way that the Spirit of God was moving and, uh, and my uh, ever- growing understanding of the way the spirit of god was moving he moved me out of there the song that made me get up off my seat and go and ask permission if i could go home get that you can get to go home on sunday unless you had permission <laughs> pretty tough hey i got up and asked the pastor if we could go home because i was feeling unwell and the truth was i did feel unwell but what it was it was just this you know, just stirring in my heart. It was just like something had to change. Something something was, was wrong, you know, and I got up and I went home and got onto a phone call and rang a guy who I knew from the church who had recently left and I said, oh, I said, are you okay? I said, I've just walked out of the church and I just don't know what's going on. He says, guess what? He says, there's a guest ministry going on in town uh, tonight. It's, it's church-wide. I said, the whole church. He goes, the whole church in, in Perth will probably be there. He said, it's uh, a guest speaker called Reinhard Bonnke is in town. <laughs> so there's Reinhard Bonnke at the Perth Entertainment Centre, and I'm going. And I've never been outside of this little Pentecostal church where I've been saved. And, uh, and it was an a, a eye-opening experience <laughs> to hear Reinhard at the, at, you know, out in front of 10,000 people saying, Africa shall be saved, you know, <laughs> and he was just there with that whole booming voice, and of course he had with him a, a pastor called Ray McCauley from South Africa, uh, Johannesburg, South Africa, Ray McCauley, Pastor Ray McCauley, and he was at the time the pastor of the uh, uh, Raymer church uh, there, and uh, at that time there were only three places where you could do Raymer Bible Training Centre, you could do it in Tulsa, Oklahoma, you could do it in Johannesburg under Pastor Ray, or you could do it in Perth, Western Australia. And, uh, and of course, that was the Bible college that the Lord uh, led Rosemary and I to uh, do our Bible college training in. And and uh, But I tell you what, it was just wonderful to go into a place uh, and hear for the first time about the fivefold ministry. My friend who'd invited me to go along, we were the last ones to leave. We're having such a good time. You know, we 10,000 people, and we're still at the door, you know, right at 12 o'clock talking about the things of God, and, and there he was uh, talking to me about, oh, and by the way, this church that I'm going to now at Raymer, he says, we believe in the fivefold ministry. And I said, the fivefold ministry? I said, what's that? I had no idea, no clue, but I was about to learn and understand how important, you know, in the life of a Christian believer is to be connected into fivefold ministry, and to receive from them, you know, receive from their hearts. You know, um... When I was a principal of the Bible College in Perth, I'd often get asked, uh, where are the fivefold ministry, Pastor Peter? It was a bit like a KPI, you know, a key productivity indicator. You know, where, you know, where are they? You know, in the Bible College, where are the fivefold ministers? And uh, my response was always from the same position. Uh, you know, I or anyone else cannot develop a fivefold ministry call. I just can't develop one. I can't get a good person who's got some great education and develop it. Okay, they have to be called by God. They have to have that. And so, uh, and so that communication kept going on for a little while until I sort of said, look, God's got to call people. We can't make them in Bible college. Bible college does not produce fivefold ministers. So you can go and enroll in as many as you like, but it won't produce that calling because it's God that gives that calling. And when God does it, they become another man. All right. Another person in their ability, in their capacity. And the best part is that God gets all the glory. Can you say amen? Amen. The best part about it is God gets all the glory because I'll be the first one to tell you that they're doing what they do because of the gift of God. You know, not because of their schooling or their learning. Saul has the throne taken off him. And despite having had a taste of God's calling, the anointing, that supernatural strengthening and ability, his, his character lets him down. That's what happens. Understand this and never forget it because we'll go on seeing, I'm sorry to say, and I'm not prophesying it, but we will go on seeing great leaders fall. Great leaders that we've seen uh, in the nation and, of course, around the nations, We'll, still, we'll go on seeing great leaders fall from grace. Despite the amazing gifting on their life. And and make a note, and you've, some of you have heard this before, make a note. It's because your gifts and callings will take you where only character can keep you. So, you know, for those that are saying, well, you know, I really, I really feel that there's a stirring in my heart toward ministry. I want to say this, work on character. Work on the fruit of the spirit. Work on those areas. Get strong in that, you know, because the flesh will pull you down the flesh will uh, actually disqualify you for uh, the things of God and leadership we, uh, we see in first Samuel uh, 10 uh, the prophet's instruction Samuel the prophet's instruction uh, to set to Saul is prophetic and detailed and I like this bit it's foretelling prophecy I like prophecy but I love foretelling prophecy Minute detail of what's going to happen, you know, as he journeys from uh, the place of his uh, ordination away from his, uh, as it was, a surprise ordination as king. You know, we sometimes say prophets will tell you what you had for breakfast. Who's heard that one before? Okay, but I tell you what, uh, (laughs) um, that's past tense. You really know you're with a prophet when he tells you what you're going to have for lunch. You really know you're with a prophet. You know, and I and I just uh, because that's future tense, and I cannot stress enough. And I'll say this now: I cannot stress enough to come to the ministry, um, uh, uh, ministry and services we're having next weekend. Pastor Peter Nichols gave Rosemary and I a a prophetic word when we first came back in 2016, and uh, and it was just again uh, it was difficult to hear it because the copy I had of it was at the back of the whole weekend that we had so it was like right at the very end and so it was very difficult to get through because you had to listen to the whole thing you couldn't go forward to it so I did get to hear it once or twice over the years but just got sent again to me Um, uh, uh, Mark sent it found a a single copy of it and got to listen to it during the week and I tell you what a blessing it was to again be reminded what things he was speaking out over our life as we came into the role here in leadership And, and just to see all of that unfolding, you know, and uh, 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 again, just amazed, and, and even even a, a, a stirring and encouragement uh, uh, that Pastor Karen uh, uh, brought um, about a house coming to us, you know, and uh, that's we're not dead to that, you know, we're not dead to that at all. That'll that'll come too, but notice that um, the so get along, you know, get along to uh, next weekend, and just uh, come with your heart, expecting to be blessed. And, you know, you may not walk away with a, a, word, a, a word of prophecy that's direct to you, but come, come expecting to be blessed because they're fivefold ministry gifts and you will be stirred in your heart. You know, uh, Saul gets sent from his dad's farm uh, to find lost donkeys and comes home without the donkeys, but having been ordained to be king of Israel. That's the story, First Samuel 10. And, and notice that the prophecy includes an encounter, all right, an encounter with God's transforming power. And I, I just want us to look at that. It's quite a, quite a good word. It says in 1 Samuel 10 and verse 5, it says, and after that, this is Samuel prophesying over Saul, and after that you will come to Gibeah of of God, where the Philistines have an outpost. As you approach the city, you will meet a group of prophets coming down from a high place, or coming down from the high place, preceded by harps, tambourines, flutes, and lyres. The whole worship team's with them. Okay? And they will be prophesying. Look what it says in verse 6. And then the Spirit of the Lord will rush upon you, and you will prophesy with them, and you will be transformed into a different person. That's the anointing. You will be transformed into a different person. And that word prophesy means to speak from inspiration. That's what the word prophesy means when you get into that meaning, that definition of that word, to prophesy from inspiration. Or oh, speak from inspiration. Of course, the taste of the anointing, the father's heart of inspiration, signified that Saul didn't need to lead and rule from his own ability. He went out looking for donkeys and came back king of Israel. He wasn't going to do that at his own ability. He'd been a farm worker, you know. And God was anointing him for much more. Amen. He didn't need to look, lean on his good looks or his height. And, of course, he was high, uh, tall, I should say, not high, tall, um, or posture or parade himself around as a leader, you know, fake it till he made it, you know, to do any of his kingly leadership duties uh, in the leadership of Israel. He was called of God to be another man, to follow after the leading of the spirit. And, of course, we need to see this. We need to see this as a... That's biblical. That's the biblical standard. Is that we don't do it at our own ability or try and lift up our ability or try and make our ability look as good as it possibly could. We need to just rest on his anointing. That's good enough. His ability and, um, and strengthening. Saul had every opportunity to be a man after God's heart. But if you study the life of Saul as king, he has character issues. He's found going astray in his heart, not following after God's heart. Saul is a compromiser. And when challenged about his behaviour, he's dismissive. He doesn't wear it. He's dismissive. He blames others. And he has no genuine repentance. Even when challenged about his, what he'd done. In contrast, David as king, David commits adultery. Well, if you know the story of King David, he commits adultery. But the difference is he repents immediately, goes and writes a song about it in Psalm, uh, in Psalm 51. And, you know, you know the one maybe, um, Psalm 51, verse 10 to 11, create, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. See, he's, a, he's someone who loves God's presence and wants that more than anything cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Here's a tip. Sons and daughters have the father's heart, or should I say, sons and daughters that have the father's heart usually pray from there. They usually pray from that place. And they're true worshippers as well. So the father's heart is often observed by hearing it. You can often hear the father's heart in prayer. You can often hear True worship, when it's coming from the right place. Yeah, they allow His heart, His spirit, to guide their their words, and we would call it spirit-led prayer. How many of you know that you can tell the difference between spirit-led prayer and just prayer? There's a big difference. And we see the heart of God given leadership as being one that's committed to being inspired in those areas and energised in those areas from the Father's heart. They have a faithful heart to God. And as mature sons and daughters, you'll always find them walking in peace. And I've got seven minutes. I've got a few more scriptures to go, but I'll just quickly uh, go through them. Who knows that saying? No God, no peace. Who knows that one? No God, no peace. And then... No God, no peace. It's an oldie but a goodie. I like it. And one of the compelling sensations that accompany the new birth is that peace that's described as supernatural. It's the best way to describe it, isn't it? You know, that peace that comes on you uh, through Christ Jesus. And uh, it's a kingdom sensation, I like to say. Um, It's spiritually tangible. You cannot help but notice it when you're first saved. I know I did. I felt there was something wonderful and, you know, it was all-encompassing all encompassing in my spirit. And um, it just hands up, just as a bit of an indicator, um, who can remember recognising that peace from God when you were first saved? Look at that. Look at those hands going up, okay? Just, just that, that, that difference when you first gave your heart to Jesus. And, you know, my father's own testimony where I'd been witnessing to him for quite a while and just being, you know... I guess you could say pestering him really about um, his salvation and about the need to be saved and I'd finally got him to come to church it was Easter in uh, 1987 got him to come to church and God uh, bless him he came and uh, I wasn't expecting too much you know but I was so blessed when the when the pastor uh, gave the altar call and his hand went up right there beside me and I was so blessed and I, I sort of snuck a little look in you're supposed to be praying but I and there he is, putting his hand up to go down the front and, and be prayed for. And when we got home, because afterwards we went home to his place to have coffee, and uh, as I was sitting there, I was just busting to tell him, that was great that you prayed that prayer, Dad. That's the sinner's prayer, and you know, you, 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 you know sort of talking to it a little bit. And I said, do you feel any different? He goes, oh, not really. Yeah, you know, and that was a bit of a letdown, you know. And he goes, but I do feel incredibly peaceful. And it was almost like he was trying to work it out himself. He couldn't even really sort of talk to it. I feel incredibly peaceful. And um, I remember, that's it, that's it, Dad. He's starting in your spirit now. God's at work in your spirit. You've been born again. I was so excited you couldn't contain me. But, um, you know, there's a sequence to our receiving peace from God, and we need to know this. Therefore, being justified by peace, we have, uh, by faith, we have peace with God. And we should recognize that one of the first results that comes from our justification with God is peace. It's a supernatural peace, but very much tangible, very much uh, detected. And um, in Romans chapter 5 and verse 1 says that, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace. With God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It shouldn't be any surprise to us as that's tangible, that we can experience that and feel that. Peace is one of those first spiritual sensations that we experience when we come to God. And I know in our counsel to people, so often people are struggling to say, well, you know, you talk about hearing from God in leadership and, and hearing, hearing God for guidance and all of that. And I know Rose and I will often uh, I say to people, you just need to follow peace in your heart. Because so often it's the Spirit of God uh, uh, giving you a sense of guidance just through peace. And if, you, you know, if you're thinking of doing something, we well, just say, well, just make sure you've got peace in your heart about doing that. And, um, and of course, it becomes like a, a point of guidance as well for you. If you haven't got peace, that means the Lord's not in on that and, um, and so important. You see, the thing about it is you didn't have to work for that. And you can never earn that. Uh, uh, that salvation the Bible tells us that that salvation that justification is a free gift from God and um, and of course look what it says in Psalm 37 in verse 37 it says mark the blameless man and observe the upright for the future of that man is peace see peace continues to be a part of our future in God that peace from heaven amen And, and let's ask the question among the congregation here today who is blameless? Who's blameless here today? There you go. Right answer. Right answer. Who is blameless? Us. You know, you're the one that's been made blameless. In Jude chapter 1 and verse 24, the the same word is translated without fault. I'll say it this way then. Who here today is without fault? No hands going up. Three hands going up now. Good. We've got the front row, a bit of a segment here. Uh, Oh. Right down the back there, now we've got four saying that they are without fault. Hallelujah. Don't you like getting around people who are without fault? I do, you know. I, I feel like I'm with company that I should be with because I'm the same. And I'll let me explain. We should all put our hands up and say yes. And just remember, it's only because of his gift of righteousness that we can put our hand up that we can say, uh, say that. And so let's continue to be thankful for that because Jude 1 and verse 24 says, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless. Look at that. And present you faultless. God's going to present you faultless. So you better start walking in it. You know, it's something that he's given it to us as a gift. And to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. And don't you worry, it's not about your performance. You know, that'll be a case for the judgment seat of Christ. We'll, we'll deal with gifts and, and rewards and, and all those kind of things there. But our faultlessness has everything to do what Jesus did for us on the cross. And we've got to be reminded of that and walk in that newness. Actually... You know, the sequence of having peace in our lives uh, is righteousness first. Amen. I once we walk in that righteousness, then peace comes. We don't need to strive for it or work for it or even work at being accepted by God. He starts off with the gift of righteousness when we get saved. And there is peace in that. There's an inner peace in that. That's why I know that that initial experience as a new believer was what God wanted me to continue walking in. But you have to renew your mind to it because we walk around with a sense of sin. Uh, again, uh, Rach, you, you touched in on that in your communion message. So, so often we'll focus on the wrong thing. And, of course, everybody's the same. You know, they, they think that uh, if they've made a mistake through the week or done something wrong through the week, that they've, they've lost their salvation or, 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 you know, have stepped back, etc. cetera, from, from what God wants for them. It's true. In fact, we talk about it from the, from the perspective of um, uh, if, if we're all going to be uh, uh, judged according to our sin, none of us could stand. But we're not being judged according to our sin. We're being judged according to his righteousness. It's a gift that we receive. Amen? Amen. I heard uh, many, many years ago uh, uh, in a church um, and a a message that we received that uh, everybody has the same issue with sin, and that is that they struggle with the sin that they love the most. And our best path forward is to get to the place where we no longer love sin, Or enjoy sin or allow sin but we actually want to keep walking on in our righteousness and you know and I can say after just celebrating 40 years as a believer I can say this is is that it does get better it does get better and you can keep walking on in that and not be uh, just excusing uh, uh, behavior in your life you can actually overcome overcome those things and, uh, but no, it's the gift of righteousness that we need to focus on and, and continue to process in our lives. And peace follows it. Look what it says, Romans chapter 4, uh, just uh, briefly. Romans chapter 4 and verse 17, it says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. It's all the rules and the, do- the do's and the don'ts. It says this, but of righteousness, peace and and joy in the Holy Spirit. Get the, get the sequence. Righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy uh, Spirit. You know, we need to know that peace that's been given to us and then go on to let that peace flow through us. Flow through us to others. Remember, God's gifts are not to us. Remember that. God's gifts are not to us. They're through us. And, uh, and we should be ready to allow those gifts to flow. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 9, last verse, it says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called and recognised as the sons of God. You know, you know, that, you know that that means sons and uh, daughters as well. In fact, many translations uh, render that as the children of God. But supernatural peace is such a big part of the Father's heart. What we should see in leaders and those that have the Father's heart is a determination To be peacemakers. Be those peacemakers. Don't just enjoy the serenity yourself, you know, and just that that lovely feeling that we get from being born again and saved and the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Be a peacemaker. And uh, mature sons and daughters don't just keep the peace of God to themselves and spend all their time enjoying it. They are active in bringing it and God's peace into every situation. They are peacemakers. Jesus said it. Amen. Praise the Lord.